Happy New Year! We are officially in 2024. The 33rd year of my life, you guys. I typically have never been one to make New Year's resolutions, but given everything that has transpired over the last 365 days, I feel like some intentional goal setting is necessary. This year, I will put myself first. I will learn to embrace changes when they present themselves. I will continue to push myself creatively and grow the Dichotomy Diaries to its very fullest potential. I want to work more with animals and spend more time barefoot in the grass. I will continue to put myself in rooms of opportunity instead of staying in those that seem safe. I want to spend more time with family and reestablish the role of tradition keeper that I had held for so long. I will see actions and people for who they are instead of who I want them to be. That's a big one. I will take better care of my body and try my very best to sleep more. I want to continue to remain optimistic to the possibility of love and lead with a healed heart and mind. And last, and maybe most importantly, I want to continue to help others by sharing my experience. I want to continue to build and maintain a safe space for others to share their truths and raise awareness on both trauma bonds and pathways out of toxic and abusive relationships. In this episode, we've entered 2023. The year kicks off with an explosive argument that results in a giant hole being punched in our door. We spend some time in Arizona, and I'm very much looking forward to my birthday that is just around the corner. I have this gut feeling that like always, something is going to go wrong, but I continue to lead with love or delusion, whatever you want to call it at this point. Dick hits a big jackpot, but don't hold your breath. Just as quickly as he saved the day, he doubles down like always. Let's dive in. Before we dive in to episode 12, I want to take a moment to say something about episode 11. The intention of episode 11 was to give you, the listener, insight on Dick's relationship with his parents, specifically with his father who is his self-proclaimed hero. Typically, looking at someone's childhood and relationship to their parents is a pretty clear indicator of how all relationships moving forward will be for that individual. Add in a little trauma that goes unhealed, unworked through, And said person really will carry all of that into whatever relationship they move on to next. And that's exactly what happened here. What I wanted to truly highlight just with this note is that Dick's dad is not a bad person. Dick's stepmother, not a bad person. Now that I have the full story, the truth, all of it makes sense. I don't feel bitter. I don't feel hate. I don't even feel angry. 
really what I feel is justified because I could not understand for the life of me how a father could treat his son like that. But then I took a step back and thought about everything I have gone through over the course of the past, I don't know, two and a half years, whatever the time is now, times that by 30 years of life, you know? Dick's dad told me, and we'll get into this in a very soon episode, hey, like, that's my son. I was the first person to hold him in this world. It can't be easy to keep your child at arm's length. But just like the boy who cried wolf, it's it's hard to explain, but it's like, you can only be fooled by someone as many times as you allow. And in order to protect themselves, to protect their family, keeping Dick at an arm's length is what they had to do. And I fully understand and support that. Now, um, having undergone the manipulation myself, God, I couldn't imagine if that was my son. I just, I couldn't. It's like watching a train wreck happen over and over and over again. And you built the train. So I just wanted to to take a moment. Um, I did not want that to be a bashing session whatsoever. But I did really want to paint the picture because I think it, it sets the table for you guys to understand perhaps why he is the way that he is, why he treats women the way that he does. Um, and really where that whole kind of inside of him began. So, you know, I really didn't leave you guys with a cliffhanger. I kind of let you down easy last episode. So what we're going to do is we're just going to dive in. Let's set the scene. We are in our apartment in Las Vegas. We've been there. So this is now January. We've been there since the end of October. So we got through the new year. It was a little awkward, but you know, it seems like Dick is subscribing to the idea of us, we, and it's like fucking music to my ears. You guys, it's all I asked of him all the time. So over the course of the past few months that we've lived in Las Vegas, there've only been like a handful of people that have come over to our new home. One being Marissa one being Matt, Dick's friend that we spent New Year's with, came over a few times, but now they're not talking. So Dick is spending a lot of time working, going to the gym, working. And then all of a sudden I see Dick walking around our apartment complex, which mind you, he had lived in before with an ex. And he's talking to this guy. He comes inside. I'm like, who's that? And he said some name. I don't know. It's like, oh, that's my good friend. My like, fucking what? <laughs> Never heard or seen. Like, you know somebody who lives here. We've lived here for three months, whatever. Why haven't you mentioned him once if he's your good friend? Everybody is his good friend. Or, you know what? Actually, everybody is his friend. Like, he couldn't never just say, like, I know that guy. It was always, oh, yeah, it's my friend. It's delusional. Anyways, I ask him about this man 
He tells me, oh, he wants to come over. He wants to meet the pups. His dog just died. Okay, give me a little bit more. He's like, he owns a supplement company that's based in Canada. And he kind of, we were talking about working together. Like, ah, there it is. There it is. There's something in it for him. I'm like, okay. So all I can think about in this moment is the fact that I have essentially dissolved our consulting firm because it was overwhelming as fuck to do alone. Even though I talk to you guys for hours every week, I am an introvert. Social interaction for me is exhausting and I need a lot of recharge time to be able to do it well. So when we set up the consulting firm, we really like we laid it all out. Like I business planned. I'm like, okay, I'm the process person. I'm going to create the efficiency. I'm going to create the workflows of everything. I'm going to make sure that it all works perfectly before we roll it out. And I'm going to let him do the, the talking, the people part, the schmoozing, if you will. He's good at that, obviously. But the schmoozing never came. And then it fell on me. And on top of having to sell, which I, I, I truly, I could probably sell anything. Sell me this pen. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I could probably sell anything, but I hate it. There's nothing that I despise more than picking up a phone, calling a person, and asking them for money for something they did not ask for. It's just, it seems so invasive, and it's just not... Like, not my thing. Anyways, Dick loves that. That's his thing, for sure. But now I'm, like, doing all of it, and I'm like, I can't. And on top of that, I'm being almost like a therapist to these people. It was just a lot. So I had one client left, and that's really what I was doing. But let's go back to, like, the friend, the good friend that lives in our apartment. Now he's going to start a business with this guy? I just, the thing about Dick is that he actually does have some incredible ideas. And I love think tank. Like I, that is my jam. Give me your idea and I will create a plan as to how you can achieve it. I thrive in that environment. However, it pissed me off that he didn't give 1% of effort to our consulting firm that was doing very, very well I mean, we have five, six clients and we were making, you know, 10, 20 grand a month. And that was all my work. Imagine if he actually stepped up to the plate and did his 50%, whatever. But I'm like, okay, so are you, you're going to create supplements, workout stuff? Like, give me a little bit more. And he goes, well, you know how I do those popper training calls, right? Uh, yeah, the crazy, awkward, crying while they jerk off guys. Yeah, I, I know that. He's like, well, he can kind of like create a formula of that and I can white label it something along the lines of Brett Michaels, Adonis, just something like that. I'm like, okay, that sounds great. Two thumbs up. I'm just like passive aggressively agreeing. Cool. Never came through. Nothing ever happened with that. They talked about it for fucking hours in the lobby. You know, he always had to, we're, we're going to go brainstorm. Okay, well, how about you get a job? 
<laughs> That's really what I thought all the time. January was a relatively like slow month. There wasn't really a lot going on. I was on the down low looking for jobs because I was starting to feel like I have no purpose. I don't like that I have to ask for money. That's very uncomfortable for me. And I just feel like even though he says everything is okay, I feel like I need to contribute because I feel like I'm kind of always at his beck and call. And if I was contributing, then I wouldn't be in that position. And I, I would have more of like this independence, which in hindsight is crazy because it's like, I'm my own person. And he really did everything that he could to kind of strip me of my identity, my purpose, my independence. Um, he's working less, but he's being more private. So after we had the whole blow up situation at the Arizona house, did the road trip, decided to come back to Las Vegas, he had subscribed to this idea like, I'm going to be more transparent, like I'm going to leave the door open. Hey, just walk in, open door policy, wearing his wedding ring on his finger as he's, you know, camming and jerking off, whatever. Um, but now the doors are closed again. Well, for someone who has lived perpetually in fight or flight and is extremely hyper aware of her surroundings, now my ears are perked up. And I'm like, hmm, that's strange. I'm not allowed to like say hi to Jamie when he's on the calls. Like I, I had sat and did my own call with him at, at one point. I think maybe if I was bringing Dick in dinner or something like that, I would be like, hey, Jamie, what's up? And he would want to like have me sit down and talk. And Dick be like, no, we're good. Thank you. Close the door. Okay. So that's annoying. And again, he's camming. He's live. Anybody can go on Chatterbait and watch him anonymously at any point in time. And so I did. Because... After so many months of just this back and forth gambling, is he going to stay? Is he going to go? You kind of start to recognize signs. And what I mean by signs are kind of like facial expressions, um, a lot of different like mannerisms and things that he did. And it would indicate whether or not he, A, was gambling. And then B, if he was winning or losing. So most of the time, if he was camming, he was on his phone, kind of leaned back, he had a shirt off, whatever. If nobody was paying anything, he's just sitting there, essentially. Someone paid something, he'd get up, do whatever he had to do. But he's on his phone. So when he's on his phone, one of two things is happening. Either he's gambling, he's thinking about gambling, or he's on social media or texting. So when he's gambling, you can kind of tell because he will have like an elated moment where he like beats his chest and you're like, okay, well, someone must have hit an ace down the line. Um, and other times you, his face would get red, a little blank stare action. And maybe, I don't know, he would put his head in his hands or he would like put his heads be, or his hands like behind his head, like stressed out. And so imagine me watching that from the living room 
And it's not like he's telling me he's gambling, but he's also not hiding it really. So I can kind of tell in temperature check, like when is a good time to talk to him? Should I come in? Should I be like, let's go play tennis? Like can gauge it based off of how he looks on his webcam page. Not because he's communicating with me on how he feels or what he's doing. Basically just looking at context clues from his online fucking webcam. So... I was on my laptop, my personal laptop, and I think that I was updating a resume. I was looking for a file and I ended up closing a tab and I reopened it. I opened up the history and I'm trying to find the tab. And I look and I see that an option for different devices is there. So you know how in Gmail, you have your Gmail account. You open up Chrome it asks you which Gmail account would you like to start the browsing session with. So if I was doing work stuff or I was doing any kind of business stuff, I was always opening it up to our business browser. Well, apparently, and asterisk here, y'all are going to get found out now if you're cheating. Uh, And for the people looking, if you didn't know this, Google uses all the websites use Google to sign in. So anytime a computer is logged into Google and it's their main browser, you can almost bet that you can probably log into any website that uses Google for a sign-on. Anyways, so I can see what tabs are open on our work computer. And I see that he's got ESPN, okay. He's got all of his camming sites, okay, fine. I see that there's a tab open that says Hawaiian Airlines. My stomach fucking drops. I'm like, he told me that he was blocking that person. Hawaii sugar daddy? Wait, so what's going to happen now? Are you are you going over there? Like, are you going to dip out? I was so heated, you guys. Because so many things have happened. Like, please, I just want one month. Just give me one month. And here's like the rationalization, the the bargaining. It's like, give me one solid good month of feeling content. Not even happy, just content. Maybe not, not happy, but not fucking depressed and can't get out of bed. And now I'm looking and I'm like, oh, wow. He's legit looking at flights from Las Vegas to Hawaii. Cool. What is this going to be his seventh trip since he's known me that he's going to go there alone? Never been to Hawaii. Me. Never. No. Mm -mm. So he comes out and he's like, you want to play tennis? And I'm like, yeah, um, I'm gonna go put my shoes on, walk into the office. And I was like kind of yelling from the other room. I said, Hey, um, so you're going to Hawaii? And he says, well, I'm gonna, I was looking for us to go for your birthday. Another birthday surprise, believe it or not. And I'm like, yeah, okay, I know how this goes. And I'm being very passive aggressive. And he goes, no, I'm serious. Okay, I thought that you weren't talking to Hawaii Sugar Daddy. He's like, no, not for him. I'm like, okay, well, for who? Because I know you're not just taking me there and paying full price right out of pocket. Like, you don't do that. He's like, no, there's another client that I just met online today and he's like, he'll fly me out. So I was looking to see what it would cost to pay for your ticket. Cause obviously I want you to be there with me. That's not obvious. 
It's never been obvious, will never be obvious to me, but okay. So I'm like, I don't believe you. And now I feel uncomfortable because this is kind of the same steps that you would take before when you were going to escape. You would call Hawaii Sugar Daddy. He'd say, find a flight. He'd pay for the flight. Next day, when I have my eyes taped shut, I don't fucking know. My back turned one moment. You're on a plane and ready to fucking hula. It blows up into such a fight, you guys. Like, he came in the office and he was like, why do you have to question everything that I do? Now I'm actually trying to do something nice for you, right? For me, it's for my birthday. And you can't even be happy about that, huh? And I'm like, I don't trust you. You've given me absolutely no reason to trust you. So what do you want from me? And at this point now, he's sitting back in his desk chair. He has it turned around. I'm like standing by the door. And he has his arms crossed around in front of his chest. And he's just like doing the blank stare, like stonewalling thing. And in this moment, I was just like kind of reminded of something that I had read earlier in the week. Because now I'm starting to look up like, is my husband, I'm Googling, is my husband a narcissist? Uh... Did I make a mistake marrying an art? You know, like just all of these BuzzFeed articles and shit, whatever. Anyways, so I remembered that there was something about if you're being stonewalled, do the same thing and you'll get an answer or a reaction, one or the other. So I, of course, I had to communicate this. I'm like, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask you a question or make a statement. And then I'm going to sit here and not say anything else until you answer that question or statement. So I did. And I crossed my arms and I leaned up against the door jam and I stared at him with the most blank fucking face and I'm mirroring him. And we're just staring at each other. And then he kind of like chuckles a little bit and he's like, huh. Yeah, okay. But he's talking, right? He doesn't like it. And I'm still not saying anything. Now I'm giving him a taste of his own medicine. He got so pissed, you guys. He literally got up from the chair. The chair flew back into his desk with the computers, like everything. And he's like coming towards me. I'm not afraid. I don't think that he's going to hit me. He... I think that he's smarter than that. But he kind of like rushes past me and takes his fist and puts it through a fucking door. I, and I'm just looking at him, just shaking my head. Like, we rent this place. Do you remember that? Now we're going to have to pay for a fucking door. Why can't you just... I don't know, absorb some of your anger or just don't get angry and just talk. Like, I don't know. Truthfully, it was intimidation and like that I know and I understand that now. He starts getting more angry around this time and I do truthfully believe that 
that was because he had started cycling steroids again. And not just like the testosterone. Like I think that he was taking anabolic steroids. Because there was things in bottles that I hadn't seen up until this point that would end up on the counter. Think like red. It was like red liquid. I don't even know. Um, but yeah, put a hole in the fucking door. And now I'm like, fuck, do I call to get this fixed? Certainly going to have to pay for it. Then they're going to document on our file, like domestic violence. And I'm like, I don't want that. I'm like, it's fine. Just leave it. Whatever. So we still really don't have any money. Any money that comes in, it's like if, if we have 500 to a thousand dollars in a bank account that I can see, it's going out quickly because it's either being gambled or it's paying a bill. And again, he's in charge of the bills. So I'm always kind of like checking in, like rent's paid. Yeah. Yep. Cell phones. Yep. Car insurance. Yep. Car payment. I got it. I got us. Okay, cool. At some point he said, okay, bills are paid. We have some extra money and I want to communicate this already. He's putting it in, in words that now I'm going to like. And this, this is really funny, you guys. He says, any extra money that we have, babe, we should be investing. And I go, okay. Are we, are we going to Charles Schwab? Are we going to go talk to a financial advisor? Or... And he's like, so I mean, like, I could basically double what we have in there right now very easily. Oh, he's talking about gambling. Okay, okay, okay. If I would have said no in this moment, he wouldn't have listened. He wouldn't. He would have done it anyways behind my back. It would have caused a fight. He would have probably ran away. So I'm like, you're going to do it anyways. So just do it talk to me about it, I guess, like, you're the breadwinner, so it's your money, and I I definitely felt, like, super inferior in that moment, but I just was avoiding fights at all costs at that point. If for whatever reason, with the one client that I had left, I was making extra money that wasn't going directly into the bank account, I would put it in the bank account. So we'd watch, you know, it go up, you know, there's $300 extra, okay, I'd see the business bank account purchase Bitcoin for gambling. I asked him very nicely, please do not do that. That is illegal. We are going to get our business shut down and we're going to get kicked off a fucking cash app. Like, please stop. He just changed the subject. All right. One of the things that I had said that was kind of like a boundary or like a caveat was like, if you're going to be literally emptying the bank account to try and double it every day and then stopping, like, you, there has to be like safe gambling practices, which I don't even know what that means. I think I just made it up, but I was like, okay, so what has happened in the past? Oh, well, you feel like you're on a run. You're on a run up, right? And then you lose a big bet. And you want to get that back. So you bet big again. And you lose. And now you're down half. You need to 
put your phone down or give it to me, I'm telling him this, if you are up for like an hour and get out of that headspace. And he's like, okay, he agreed to it. He even was almost going to give me the password, which I actually had because passwords were stored in our Google now that I think about it. Um, he was going to give me his password to bet online so that I could like lock him out. That's how serious he knew that his self-control problem was. He was like, you're going to have to lock me out. And I'm like, oh my God, this is so crazy. So I think it was probably the next day. I woke up in the morning, I opened my eyes and I kind of looked over to his side and he's sitting up against the headboard and he's on his phone. And you can tell just kind of by the way he's holding it and, and the look on his face that he's gambling. It's like not even nine o'clock. And I'm like, okay, wow, here we go. And I said, how's it going? And he goes, oh, good. I deposited like that. I deposited the money that was in the account and I'm up. Look, babe, look, hold his phone to me and shows me the balance. It was like $2,000. Like how much you put in? It's like 500. I'm like, okay, how long have you been playing? He's like for like an hour or so. Okay. All right. Well, I'm going to get up. I'm going to make some breakfast. Why don't you put your phone down? Cause like you're up, you know, like put your phone down. Let's go eat breakfast. So he does. I make like eggs and toast or bagel or whatever. Feed the dogs, kind of turn the candles on. I think maybe I I put tennis on TV. That was, it was literally my routine. And he normally at this time would either say he was going to go to the gym or no. Yeah. He would say he was going to go to the gym. That was like his thing after, after breakfast time in the morning, he'd be gone for a few hours and he would come back and work. Well, he comes out of the bedroom, not in gym clothes. He's still wearing the same thing. He's wearing like pajamas and he sits his ass down on the couch and he has his phone in his hand again. So he probably sat on the couch gambling for like three to five hours, getting up to pee, getting up to get something to drink. And certainly every like 30 to 45 minutes he'd be like babe 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 come here look or he'd get up and he'd come find me wherever I was and he'd be like look send me a screenshot he had managed to take the 500 that he turned into 2000 and he think I think he got it up to like somewhere where it's like 12 to 14 it wasn't quite 15,000 but um I was like oh wow good job I felt like I was praising him like a dog or like a child, like a pat on the head because I didn't know what to say. It's so bittersweet to see a number like that when you have nothing and you're just, immediately you start thinking of what you can pay and how that would make you feel so much better. And the reality is, is that it never actually turned into real money. So I just... I was kind of just blank about and I was like yeah like good job two thumbs up you know make sure to take breaks like do you need anything do you want to like go for a walk like just trying to keep him in a good mental headspace like you're in control you're in control so I actually think that I wanted to go to the grocery store I wanted to do like a grocery run and like Costco and he's like I'll come with okay He's like wants to be around me. And I think it's because in the moments where he's actually like winning, 
he likes showing me that. Like, that's validating. He's like, look, see, I told you I'm the best single deck blackjack player that there is, you know. (laughs) And so I drove to the grocery store. He's in the passenger seat of my Jeep gambling before we got out of the car, which it was like five minutes away. He's like, look, 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 look. I look. He's at like 18,000. Now, I don't know about any of you guys, but I feel like that's a pretty like substantial number, like 500 to 18,000. Fuck, like cash it out. And I go, is there a number that you're looking to hit? Because I feel like that's really good and would be very helpful in our situation right now. We can get some of like these fucking creditors like blowing up my phone, you know? And he's like, no, like, you know, I'm, I'm on a run up. Ugh. Just famous last fucking words, you guys. I, It's almost like I wish he didn't say it because every time he did say it, it would go to shit immediately. So uh, we're in the grocery store and actually I think we went to Costco first. We walked around Costco and he followed me around like a puppy dog or actually he's kind of like a little boy on his Game Boy following his mom around and He's not helping me, like, put stuff in the car, check out, nothing. We get in the car, still gambling, make it to the grocery store. And he had, I think that he had actually put his phone down or in his pocket for, like, part of the grocery store trip. When we got in line to pay, he pulled his phone out and he was like, babe, look. And this is, like, a different look, right? He's saying it different. He's not excited. He's like affirmed. And he shows me his phone and it says balance $33,333 and like some change. So sidebar, 33 is my lucky and favorite number. When I met him, he started using it as his lucky number too. Like he would, if he was depositing money, it was like 100 and hundred dollars and 33 cents like it was always somewhere and I'm like well that seems like a sign don't you think I don't believe in signs I don't believe in run-ups lucky numbers cool angel number okay fine there's no anything that is going to explain how he got to that point but there could be a way that I could make him believe that, wow, we deserve this. You did this. Thank you for saving the day. Now cash out. And he's like, well, here's the thing. Oh, of course, there's a thing. I can't cash out until midnight. Bet Online has like uh, guidelines where it's like if you withdrew money within the last seven days, you have to wait for the next seven rolling days before you can withdraw Bitcoin again. Okay, that's at midnight. Yeah, you sure? Yeah. I go, okay, well, maybe now's the time that you give me your Bet Online password because, you know, $18,000 was a lot. We could have paid off almost all of like the super behind stuff. 33,000 is different. 33,000 means everything is taken care of and there's extra money to put towards the house down payment that we had been talking about. He's like, no, I'm good. Not, I'm not going to play anymore. He's like, if I play, I'm just going to do like, you know, the free spins or tournaments or whatever. 
I was irritated because like I I know better. I know I know better. So we pay for the groceries, we get in the Jeep, we get back home, I'm putting things away, I'm like organizing the refrigerator, I think I was cooking, um, and he's sitting on the couch and he's on his phone, and the the couch that he was sitting on, his back was to me in the kitchen, and I can see his phone screen, he's playing blackjack, and I'm like, dick, please tell me that you're not playing right now. And he's like, yeah, but I'm, I'm up. Actually, you said you wouldn't. Please put the phone down. He's like, I'm good, okay? All right. So I finished doing whatever I'm doing. I think I started a little bit of laundry while dinner was cooking, putting away clothes, you know, wifey shit or like slave stuff. I don't know, one or the other. Um, and then I come back out of the bedroom and remember... Those telltale signs, the demeanor, the body language, the facial expressions. He has a different one on now. And I'm like, are you good? And he's like, yeah, I lost a little bit. I'm not going to lie. I should probably put this down and just step away and then come back to it, get that back. And I was like, I think that you should put it down. I'll change your password and then whatever, you know, like, what is it at? I was like, 23,000. I'm like, fucking stop. Please. Please. I'm on this roller coaster all fucking day with him. Oh, my God, babe, 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 look. Babe, 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 babe. And now we're here. And the fucking roller coaster is starting to come crashing down. So I'm like, what do you want me to do? Because we had a plan. You saved the day. You did it. You did. You did what you needed to do and more. And why are you ruining it for yourself and for me and for us? He's like, no, I'm good. I'm good. Watching your person struggle with their own brain is terrifying. It's terrifying. It's like, it's like they need an exorcism. It's crazy. And it, it was sad. Fast forward the story. Um, maybe like another hour goes by and the demeanor just, the energy actually, and it wasn't even demeanor, the energy in the room went from happy, oh my God, elated, like peaceful almost. The anxiety just didn't seem like it was there anymore because truthfully, if we would have cashed out that money, like, we would have been good. And I know that a lot of the stress and a lot of the problems that we were facing at that time had to do with money always at the middle of it. So now the energy in the room is somber. I think that he had turned the TV off, which was like, that's weird. Like, And I'm looking at him and I'm like, I don't think I even said anything. I think that I just had this look on my face like it happened again, didn't it? And he had this, this like a devastating look of disappointment with himself and a look like, I'm so sorry I let you down. He didn't say that, but he was like, yeah, it's not good. And I peeked my head over his phone and he's got $900 in there. 
he lost $33,000 sitting on our couch. And I'm like, what the fuck? So now I'm in a horrible mood. I don't think that I even ate the dinner that I had cooked. I know that he didn't. And I'm trying to think about how this, I think I was like, yeah, I'm going to go to bed. I didn't want him to feel bad, but I wasn't going to fake like happiness. Like there's no way that anybody could be happy in this moment. So I'm like, I'm going to go wash my face, put on my pajamas. I'm going to, I'm just going to go lay down. And he's like, okay, he, well, he didn't come in. I fell asleep, which I typically didn't ever fall asleep without him in bed, but I fell asleep. And when I woke up in the middle of the night, he was still not there. And that's, that's a terrifying moment for Amanda. Where could he be? Fucking Hong Kong? You know, like, I, I don't know. Even, even talking about these moments, I get a little bit, like, sick to my stomach. It's like that pitting anxiety, stomach ache feeling. And I haven't had, I haven't felt that in so many months now. That was just really weird. Um, so I go, I, I guess it wasn't too late. Maybe I fell asleep for like an hour or two hours and I woke up and he's sitting in the living room in the dark and I felt bad. I did. Again, you see in your person not in control of their own brain and it, unless you've experienced that with someone who has a, has an addiction, you don't know what it's like. You can kind of guess, but whatever you're thinking, it's about a hundred times worse because you can't do a damn thing. Not one thing. So I really like, I think that I like hugged him. I didn't say anything. I just walked up to him and I hugged him. I think I put his head on my boobs and I was just like, it's all good. And I'm just saying things that I I feel like will make him feel better. I don't believe them, but whatever. So I'm like, why don't you come to bed? And he's like, I will in a little bit. Okay. So I go back in there. I feel like maybe I've made him feel a little bit better at least. Because it wasn't, he wasn't crying, but he was just sitting in the dark, staring up into space with not even his phone in his hand. And late, late, late at night, I wake up again and he's not there. And I am scared now too, again. But I get up and I walk in the living room and he's not there. Now I'm freaking the fuck out. My heartbeat, I can feel it and hear it in my ears. feel like I want to throw up. I'm getting all sweaty. But I look and I see it and I'm like, the Jeep is still here. Like he wouldn't have taken my Jeep. Like that would be crazy. But then I see his wallet on the table and I was like, oh, okay, he's here. He must just be working. Sometimes he would work until like four o'clock in the morning. Like it doesn't matter, you know? People all around the world want to look and jerk off to muscles, I guess. And I go in the office and he's sleeping in the guest bed. So this is like a new thing. He's never not slept in the bed with me. And he was actually sleeping, so I didn't wake him up. But the next morning rolls around and I was like, I come in there and brought him like some water or something. I was like, what's this about? And he's like, I'm just so disappointed in myself. And I, I'm so sorry I let you down. Like, you felt everything that I was feeling yesterday, huh? I'm like, I feel everything that you feel every day. Every day. And he's like, 
I just don't know. I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm like, okay. Maybe it's time that you stop gambling. And he's like, yeah, I really, I think I should take a break. So he had said that he was going to take a break from gambling. And it is the end of January. And something really exciting happens every January in Arizona at the end. And it is Arizona Car Week. Now, if you know me personally, you know that this is my favorite week of the year. Barrett-Jackson, Bonhams, Gooding, RM. But my favorite of all time, the Arizona Concorde d'Elegance. Okay. So, I, in a past life, when I was an undergrad, was really into event coordination I also, at that time, was learning a lot about classic cars. My ex had started taking me to Cars and Coffee. We started watching Formula One, really just teaching me all the things I need to know about European classics. I'm not a big, like, muscle car girl, but when I had gone to Italy, we went to Modena. We saw the Ferrari factory. We went to Lamborghini. And to me now, cars, automobilia is is art. There's so many, just the craftsmanship and, and the different, you know, the coach and the chassis, they're made by two different designers. They put it together. It's a, you know, one of three. So I'm excited because this is my world. And I actually, in undergrad, had an internship with the Arizona of Arizona Concord d'Elegance where I sat on the planning committee and it was like the coolest internship ever. I met some of the coolest car people in Arizona and I still, we still talk to this day. So I thought it would be something cool because he was into cars, but he was into like supercars, like huge Bugatti and like McLaren fan. And I'm like, okay, fanboy, whatever. But I wanted him to see like the history, the art, the sexiness, like the craftsmanship. And also I thought that he would like the culture. Like it's kind of along the same lines of like ski culture, you know, a little bit more elevated than like golf culture. But, you know, there's a lot of money flowing around the Concorde Elegance. Millions, the best cars in the country. You know, sometimes cars from different countries would come over and they would display them ever so prominently on the lawn of the Arizona Biltmore. So it was a cool fucking event, you know. And he seems like he's enjoying it. Um, I, I bumped into a bunch of people that I knew and that felt good because like, again, I don't have an identity. So I'm kind of remember at this point. So I'm remembering and finding joy in those memories of, of, you know, catching up with people that I worked pretty closely with over the course of the last five to, you know, seven years. He's taken a lot of pictures. Um, He's actually reading like the plaques that are in front of the cars and, you know, he would, hey babe, come look at this, like the headlights on this car, like they're kerosene or whatever. He would ask me questions, which made me feel really good. There was never really many times that there was something that I knew that he didn't. And now mind you, right, like I've been in this 
car world for a f- quite a few years now. And I, I have this conversation with, with guys a lot. And they're like, oh, you, you like Formula One? So you, you like a car girl? And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, oh, and, and it, I feel like when I say that, then they have to prove me wrong after all the time, all the time. So the next question typically is something along the lines of, so you like, you know, muscle cars or like, what's your thing? And I'm like, European classics? And they're like, okay, okay. Well, what's your dream car? That's the second question. Always. Never fucking fails. And pretty positive that most of the time they're expecting me to be like, oh, you know, like a Lamborghini or a Ferrari California convertible. But my ass just flat out like point blank. I'm like, ah, it's a tough one, but I'm going to have to go with the 1937 coffin nose cord Phaeton in cigarette yellow with the burgundy leather interior. And they're like, oh, oh, like, I'm going to have to look that up. And I'm like, no, no, I got it for you. And I pull up like the 97 different pictures, like real life pictures of that car that I have in my phone. And I'm like, yeah, this one right here. It was here at this concourse last year. <laughs> so that that kind of thing is, is really funny. But he's actually asking me questions about it. And I feel like, wow, he thinks that I actually know stuff. That's all good. Again, just trying to find little breadcrumbs of hope and love in this very monotonous, depriving existence that I live. So I'm pretty positive that we actually had brought the dogs with. And the reason for that was we li- we were living in an apartment. So I had a dog sitter back in Vegas, but I really wanted them to be able to run around and get tired. So they had a doggy daycare that they had gone to for probably like, since they were both 16 weeks old at least and so I call the owner I'm like hey can I bring the guys in yeah it's fine so they're over there and I think that my ex who introduced me to the car world um I think he was actually out of town and didn't go to car week which is so crazy because I feel like he's gone for like I don't know 25 years in a row but he was like hey you know if you guys want you can go and stay at my house. And I'm like, that's so nice of you. Like, you're such a good person. It's crazy. And his house is walking distance to Westworld, which is where Barrett Jackson is. So Concours kicks off Arizona Car Week. And then throughout the week, there's auctions sprinkled in so you have Barrett Jackson which goes on for like two weeks and the first week isn't really busy but it's a good time to go and see all the cars and that's kind of like the state fair of car week there's like like I don't know like food trucks and, and they have a gala but it's outside and it's like they have some high-end cars like in the salon collection inside, but for the most part, you're looking at like Chevelles and you're looking, there's trucks, like just a lot of things that people are actually consigning and, and auctioning right out of their garage. Um, and then a few days, like, you know, every other day there would be some kind of 
luxury auction house. So there was RM, Gooding, and Bonhams. And these auctions were not held at Westworld. One was held at the Arizona Biltmore. Another was held at Weston Kierland. And I'm trying to think where the other one is. I think maybe the Scottsdale Quarter is where Gooding is. All of these have moved around so much in like the 10 years that I lived in Arizona. But so I think that we end up going to either two or all three of those. And oh my God, he was, he was just elated. He's like, what do you mean that it says that this car is worth $15 million? And I'm like, well, look, it says it's like one of three. And he's like, holy fuck. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, look how many like of similar, you know, kind of cars there are here. Like this is the place where you'd be walking around and you'd literally brush shoulders with Jay Leno. Like it had happened to me multiple times, like Pebble Beach, Amelia, and in Arizona. Um, There's a lot of people that are from the Velocity Channel that you'll see and you're like, I know that guy. Oh, yeah. Like, that's like the Gas Monkey Garage guy. Those guys really aren't at, like, the high-end ones a lot. But you recognize people's faces. And you're like, and you look at them later and you see them on TV. Like, that's so cool. Um, But, again, running into people that I know, that felt good. And he seems to be enjoying this. Another thing. So, in Arizona, this is where my friends are the ones that are still around and I really wanted to hang out with them and see them but there was there wasn't an opportunity for that they were all really busy so that was kind of disappointing but I was having a good time doing the car stuff like he gets to see me in my zone now we were playing tennis the weather was excellent the dogs were close by and I really like I think that at some point we even both like looked at each other it it was like at the perfect like sunset moment on the McDowell mountains and we're playing tennis in DC ranch. And he was like, we made a mistake leaving here. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, please don't use we when you're talking about that, because you know, damn well that I never wanted to leave here. You know, it was because you hated it here. And he's like, ah, that was a huge mistake on my part. Like, wow, I never hear you admit your fault, but I agree with you. You're wrong about a lot of things. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> um, he's like, we should move back. And I'm like, oh God, please, please, fuck. We just moved into a part. I'm like, we can't talk about this right now. I'm enjoying the, like, you know what? I, let's just enjoy this. Let's enjoy this. So, oh, this is another important thing. He wasn't gambling on bet online, but we're in Arizona now and the gaming laws are different. So he's got like FanDuel, BetMGM, DraftKings, all of them open. And he's like going to town on those. Oh, I thought we weren't gambling. Oh no, this is different. It's uh, sports betting. It's innocent. If you could see me, I'm shaking my head and rolling my eyes right now. It's whatever. So... Car week is, I think we were only there for like three or four days, but we pick up the dogs and it's time to go back home to Vegas. And, um, you know, my birthday is coming up. So my birthday is February 8th. Car week is the last weekend in 
January. And so when we returned back home, there was a package waiting for me. And it was, my mom had sent me like this box of like, you got to pick like different cylinder kind of containers with candy in it. And there was like nine or 12 or something. And it was really cute. I love candy. I love sour candy. Um, and she sent me also like Mexican, like spicy candy. And I was like, Ooh, bitch, you know me, those North Lake days really did pay off on this palette. So I think that like, I'm starting to think in like Amanda birthday mindset, which is like, Ooh, what surprise am I going to get this year? My primary love language is receiving gifts. I feel like I always have to follow this up with, it's not a materialistic thing. It's a, hey, I found this rock on the street and it looked like your toe. And it made me think of you. So I picked it up, put it in my pocket, and I'm going to give it to you right here. That's a gift, you guys. It's an extreme example, but that is a gift. Thinking about someone in their absence means the most to people with receiving gift as a gifts as a primary love language. So I'm setting myself up for disappointment here, but I'm like, oh, this is exciting. I think maybe he had won like a thousand dollars on a bed. And so I was like, oh, you know, he's got some money. Cool. So a package arrives at the door and I grab it. I don't know if I asked him like, what is this? It was addressed. I think, was it addressed to him? Actually, I think it was addressed to him and I brought it into him and he took whatever was in the box out and I'm like, oh shit, I am getting a surprise. Well, whatever it was, he like hid it from me and was like, you can't open it today. You already opened something, you need to open it tomorrow. Okay, fine. So tomorrow comes and I wake up extra early. I'm like, ooh, I got a gift. I'm no joke, like I, I... It's very hard to surprise me. So while I know I'm hard to surprise because I'm hyper aware and probably a little bit too snoopy, um, I really geek out like a child and I cry and when, when it is able to be pulled off. So he gives me the bag and I open it and it is like the cutest like highlighter yellow green like lime green tennis dress from lululemon and i remember i had told i had made a list i had like a shared note in my phone and i was just like putting links of the dress in there and i was like this is so cute i can't wait to play tennis in this like it's perfect because it's a dress and a skirt and you can hold the balls in the pockets it was just wonderful and I was tan at this time so I was like damn I'm gonna look good and if you want to see that dress it is on my Instagram and yeah I mean I look I look good in that dress anyways I go oh my god this is so perfect thank you and he's like you're welcome I did good right and I'm like yeah like this is this is prime time and so the next day my mom calls me and she's like did you get your package and I was like yeah the candy is so great thank you so much I was gonna call you and she goes what about the other one and I was like oh the tennis dress and she's like yeah how do you like it and I was like I love it 
and I got to like this weird, like, I don't know, this weird feeling. And I was like, why are you asking? And she's like, well, I want to make sure I got you the right size. And I'm like, the gifts from the dress is from you. And she's like, yeah, who do you think it was from? And I get, I, I wanted to protect him. So I was like, oh, I, I don't know. There was no card. I wasn't sure. This motherfucker took credit for my mom's present. Did he not think that I would like, where is his brain? How is it that he thought that we wouldn't all three like be FaceTiming at some point during the week of my birthday and that would come up and it's like, why lie? I just, I just don't get it. But now I'm like pissed and I'm like, this is just like all the holidays. It's just like every single, like anytime that there is an event where I am the center of attention, he has to do something to just make it not as great. So kind of going back and and sidebarring here for a second, I'm going to be completely honest with you guys. Like I don't, me telling you this story, okay? This is not like, I don't remember all of this it's just in my brain and I'm spitting it out to you. Like I, I have a process. I timeline, I'm visual. I take a lot of pictures and I take a lot of screenshots. And so lucky for me, I basically have a visual timeline in my phone. So as I'm going through this timeline, you know, I see car week, I see the dress, I see something interesting in this timeline. And I thought I would share it with you guys because Now, I remember someone saying the term narcissist or narcissism in relationship to Dick. And, you know, when I think of when I had thought of narcissism before, I attributed it to like vanity. And that was like the correlation that I made. And I was like, well, he for sure is vain, you know, so yeah, like he's a narcissist. But I didn't, I didn't understand like the actual NPD diagnosis terms and things like that. So at this point in time, in the timeline, I had a few screenshots saved and they were definitions of NPD terminology. So I think it's always a good refresher to kind of touch on these. Um, The first one is my favorite, just kidding, gaslighting. Gaslighting is a manipulation tactic in which a person, in order to gain more power, makes a victim question their own reality or sanity. Check. The next one. Not as like mainstream as gaslighting, but definitely like floating around the NPD for you pages on the socials. Negging. Negging is when a person tries to manipulate you into feeling bad about yourself. Negging happens in a few different ways, such as backhanded compliments, comparing you to other people. They're always just joking when you call them on it or use constructive criticism as a way to insult you. Check. Love bombing. 
Ooh. God, I, I just simp the fuck out for love bombing. It gets me. It gets me. I don't know. Every time. Every, it's tattooed on my forehead, I guess. Love bomb the fuck out of me. Hopeless romantics. That's what, that's what that is. It's, it's a sickness. <laughs> Love bombing is a manipulation tactic that happens when someone overwhelms you with affection, adoration, gifts, <laughs> and love in order to gain control of your behaviors. Love bombing to someone who is starved of attention, prioritization, and has a fear of abandonment is comparable to needing a heroin high. You will do anything to get that love. Anything. Compromise your values. Lose your identity. Anything. And... Sometimes you just get little breadcrumbs, but when they full on love bomb you again, like, oh yeah, like, like it was in the beginning. Cause that does happen. It, it's a cycle that feels so good. You're just like basking in the glory, even though you know, it's going to come crashing down. You're like, wow, this is great. It's kind of like, um, intervention where they used to like show the people shooting up the heroin and they would slowly sink down in front of the mirror and you're like that looks like they're gonna fall and hit their head but they do look really chill right now yeah that was me (laughs) at least I can laugh at myself though right okay thank you (laughs) the guilt trip Guilt-tripping behaviors often show up in close relationships by pointing out their own efforts and hard work to make you feel as if you have fallen short. They give you the silent treatment or use body language to communicate their displeasure by sighing, crossing their arms, or slamming objects down. Check, check, check. Emotional blackmail. Emotional blackmail is a dysfunctional form of manipulation that people use to place demands and threaten victims to get what they want. The undertone of emotional blackmail is if you don't do what I want, when I want, you will suffer. It's like a half check, probably a full check, but I can't think of a specific instance right now. So half check, but It's quite interesting to me that I screenshot these because that means that they intrigued me, that I didn't just brush them off. Probably in that time, I saw this and I was doing the exact same thing I just did with you, checking the boxes and like, hmm. So the final screenshot (laughs) underneath these says, How to deal with a manipulative, narcissistic spouse. And under it, it says, disengage, be confident, and address the situation. And that's funny because that's what I actually try to do every time. But again, I'm I'm maybe starting to recognize that like, Maybe there's something wrong with him. I mean, I know that there's something wrong with him. I know that there's mental health issues there. Like, I can feel that. But I don't know what it is. And and for the first time, 
I may be able to like, I don't want to say diagnose because I, I, I don't have credentials for that. But if he's showing characteristics of a specific type of, uh, you know, mental health issue or behavioral health issue, that means that there's research that I could do and I can try and figure out ways that I can help him, which is stupid because I should just be running away. But that's my brain and that is my heart. So moving on trying to think I think this is around the time when he like starts doing TikTok lives which is ah that's so funny and weird he had gotten his initial TikTok account that he grew pretty organically and had a lot of followers he got kicked off because he had like asked somebody to send him money on cash app which is like you can't talk about other payment processors on there and so they didn't close down his account, which is, it's kind of funny. It's kind of torturous. Um, cause I'm sure he can still get into it. He just can't go live, which is how you make money off of it. So he had created a TikTok account with our business email. It was logged in on my phone. It was logged in on his phone. You know, we're, we're being transparent with the business, I guess, operations. So, He's going live and he's like sitting in the office like with his shirt off. And it's weird because it's like, I think maybe he would do like a karaoke, like he would make song requests. Um, but there's like a bunch of moms dropping in. Oh, God damn. Like, look at this. Look at this guy. There's like kids, which is weird. But there are a ton of gay guys. And I'm like, oh, well, they, you know, I don't know how many people are on TikTok, but I, I feel like it was, I don't know, was it billion or million? I don't know, but it's a fucking lot. And I'm wondering how he's going to monetize it because I think that there was like a certain threshold that he had to meet before he could. And I don't think that he was at that point. So he's basically like telling everybody to follow him and then he could direct message them, give them his Twitter or Skype or whatever, and start collecting money that way. Okay. So when I tell you that the craziest request, maybe not craziest, I think maybe like degrade me and call me homophobic and racial slurs so I can come is the, is the craziest request. The, like the request that I would have never thought somebody could jerk off to came this day. And here's the request. Sir, can you burp on command? And he's like, I mean, I think so. He's like, okay, if you could burp on command like seven times, I'll send you, it was like a symbol, like a galaxy, which is like worth tokens or something. This, (laughs) my husband came out of the office, grabbed a Diet Coke, chugged the fuck out of it and proceeded to go back in the office and burp on command for a galaxy on TikTok. The dude will do anything for money. It's it's crazy. I wish someone's kink was treat your wife nice. You know? Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> I will pay you, Dick, if you give Amanda one week of reciprocal love and empathy. 
that would be a cool kink. My birthday was coming up and so it's kind of like deciding what to do for my birthday because my birthday has always been so anticlimactic and I was going to be turning 32 and we had just had such a great time in Arizona and I was like, you know what, my birthday this year falls on Super Bowl weekend. So if we go to Arizona, we can celebrate my birthday, we can play tennis, we can be in the sun, we can see our friends. Oh, by the way, we got invited to our friend's Super Bowl party. That'll be so fun. So I don't think that there was like a lot of extra like vacation money going on. I mean, maybe there was like 300 bucks or something like that. I I had gotten paid, I think maybe like, I don't know, I got a check from my last job that showed up extremely late. Not a lot, but like maybe $300 or something. Um, and, you know, it, it's embarrassing to admit this, you guys, but, you know, at that point in time, because I was so used to living with no money all the time, that the idea of taking the $300 and betting it on a football game that I felt like I knew, like, like just a straight bet and doubling it, that felt like a good idea. And I think, and I did that. And I'm embarrassed to admit that because that means that I, some part of my brain was working the same way his brain works or was working. Extremely long story short, um, I end up making $2,500 and I'm like, okay, we can celebrate my birthday now. And I think that I gave him like 500 of it because he was, you could tell he was like getting in one of those moods where I'm like, he's going to ruin my fucking week, dude, if he does not have like cash on him. So I gave him the 500 and I was like, Hey, because again, it's like the first week of the month I go, I get like the rent just came out. Right. So like, there's no money. He's like, yeah, there's no money. I'm like, but our bills are paid. So it's okay. I I have the $2,000. It's fine literally living just like in squalor, like panhandling, I feel like. Um, like it's, it's cool. But as long as the bills are paid, I feel like we can enjoy my birthday. Like, of course. So we head to Arizona and really like in the car, I mean, it's a four hour car ride. Some of it, you don't have service, but the other other parts you do we're singing we'd always do like a lot of duets in the car and it seems like it's going to be a good trip I think I noticed at this point in time that there was like pictures that Dick had had on his Instagram of us and like one of them is missing when I tell you I have a photographic memory and I'm visual I'm not lying I knew that something was gone but I didn't know which one And so now I'm like, okay, like, please, please, please don't be doing something crazy. And I'm just seeing the first breadcrumb of it. And I look and he's starting to follow like a bunch of pretty like Instagram girls. And my heart just like broke into two because he was talking to the Arizona girl. For sure. That was fucked up. 
he went to that girl's house in Florida. That was fucked up. But the one thing that he truthfully, I had not ever caught him doing was liking other women's photos and adding random just like Instagram models. He was like, I, I, he's like, no, I won't do that. And now he is. So here's another boundary being crossed. Here I am on my way to celebrate my birthday and I have that anxiety stomach ache now, you know? I feel like I want to crawl in a hole and I don't have a good poker face, you guys. I wish that someone could have told me that all of my intentional effort to see past Dick's shortcomings would never pay off. That there would never be a return on the investment of my time and love. Truthfully, with the exception of maybe two people that I met right at the end of this year, I wish that 2023 in its entirety never happened. But because it did, you've gotten a front row seat to my transformation. And I hope that you're able to learn from my mistakes and make better choices in your own. My mom shared a meme with me the other day and I actually saved it and it's the background on my phone. She sends me some all the time and she's like, oh, this is good for the Dichotomy Diaries. But this one really, really spoke to me. It says, you cannot talk butterfly language with caterpillar people. And that is the most true. When you are in your butterfly language chapter of your life, the caterpillars will hold you back. They're not ready. Maybe they'll never be ready. And that's why you have those wings, so you can fly away. If the start of a new year has taught me anything, it's that time is precious. There is never going to be a better time than now to make changes that will better your life and your mental health. Until next time, I'm your host, Amanda Arnier, and this is The Dichotomy Diaries.